Hey folks, Zach Osman here, IU Insider, Indianapolis Star. This is Mind Your Banners for Thursday, September 28th, 2023, as promised. Uh, we found somebody a lot more knowledgeable than me, which was very hard because I'm not very knowledgeable about most things, um, to talk about Maryland ahead of this week's game, uh, Indiana, at Maryland, 3.30 p.m. Saturday in College Park. Uh, and with us is Varun Shankar from the Baltimore Banner. I've got the, I've got the, I got the banner right too. Corman's going to kill me if I didn't. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm really excited to be here. Uh, our mutual friend, Chris Corman, who I've known for more years than I'm comfortable admitting connected us. <laughs> um, you've covered Maryland for a couple of years now. You said this is your first year with the banner, but you, you covered them, you know, previous to that. Um, the first thing I kind of wanted to ask about was, you know, last season leading into this season, Indiana fans, have been through sort of that process of maybe feeling like their program was riding the crest of a wave only for the wave to kind of crash onto the shore. That hasn't happened with Maryland. They're four and zero. they've looked good. I know they've had a, maybe a couple of, of, you know, false starts kind of out of the gate in a couple of games, but four and zero is four and zero. Talia Tagovailoa is one of the best quarterbacks in the big 10, if not the best, just kind of what have you made of maybe to some extent, the way Maryland has handled, the season it had last year, the high of, of winning the bowl game, eight wins, all that. And then with maybe more expectation this season, just kind of kept riding it rather than ever being feel looking under pressure or being weighed down by any of that. They've embraced the expectations in a lot of way. I mean, Mike Plotsley, from the second that he got to the, you know, the second that he started talking at media day, he said, listen, we're at the point where this is year five for me. And we built this culture that I think gives us the ability to win big 10 championships. And obviously when you play in a division that includes Penn state, Michigan and Ohio state, those are audacious goals. But to his credit, Maryland has backed it up so far by taking care of what they need to. It hasn't been a perfect season, but 4-0 is 4-0, and they're continuing a trend that's been the case for almost all of Loxie's tenure, which is beating up on non-conference opponents. And that gives you just like, you know, it's obviously just like a smoother start to the season. It's a like a like a kind of just like a upward trajectory for the program. And I mean, they 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 look really good. The talent in the program like has not depreciated a lot from year to year, even from that first bowl game win from Virginia Tech to last year over NC State. And then this year, I mean, they are two wins away from bowl eligibility. And um, it's, let's be let, let's be honest, it starts with the quarterback, right? When you have Talia Tagovailoa coming back for another year, it's just this comfort that you have inside the program. It's comfort that you have with receivers, with play callers, that we've got number three back there. Talking about the quarterback, because obviously he's a, a big piece of just the picture when you talk about Maryland. Um, there's an extent to which his resume speaks for itself, the success he's had. I think he's already Maryland's all-time leading passer. Of course, he's no stranger to the Big Ten. He's no stranger to Indiana. I think he's 2-0 against Indiana. Um, is there anything different either about him or the way maybe Maryland has kind of, you know, sort of used him, deployed him this year? Or is it maybe one of those things where – He's so stable. He's so sort of stayed and proven that it's almost not that you're not going to evolve as an offense, not that new guys aren't going to sort of, you know, come into bigger roles and stuff, but that with him, it's more, you know, we know who he is. We know what he can do. Let's not mess with a good thing. Let's just keep sort of expanding his options and just keep relying on his dependability, I guess. Biggest thing that stands out to me about Tagovailoa this year and 
I want to wait to make like a declarative statement about whether this is just, you know, like a small sample size fluke or about the teams that they faced or whether it's actually an improvement in his game is he's gotten a lot better at uh, uh, taking pressure and not allowing them to turn into sacks. I think, you know, previous years he would get pressured and 20% of the time it would turn into a sack. This year, that number last time I checked was under 10%. He's made massive strides in that area. I mean, every game there's at least one play and most often multiple where he's making a free rusher miss. And for an offensive line that's still working through a lot, you know, there's new players coming in. There's a new, there's new centers that are rotating. You've got guys that are just, you know, in the first or second game back from injury. Um, it's, it's been really helpful for that unit. To your point, 32 sacks last season, ESPN has him taking, he's only taken two through the first four games this season. And I guess to, and maybe not just on sacks, but, but that being, you know, as you talk about just handling pressure, stepping away from it, moving a pocket, breaking contain, whatever he does, to do it, that being kind of an example of it, how much is he maybe when you talk about an offense that has had some moving parts, some new faces, some question marks elsewhere, Tagovailoa just been, I guess, again, I'm, I'm not trying to make I'm not trying to, to sort of damn him with faint praise here when I say he's dependable, because I know he's more than that. I know he, I know he's, 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 I mean, he's been more than that for the last two, two and a half years. But just how much maybe does does he does it feel like he is just kind of showing this side to his game, which is you can rely on me. I'll fix problems. You know, I'll I will I will bring others with me in a way that maybe makes life easier for a young offensive lineman or for a receiver. You know, a transfer receiver we're trying to fit into a new role, whatever that is. Just basically, I guess as much as anything else, and this is always a little bit sort of self apparent when you're talking about a quarterback. But how much is is he really just sort of setting? kind of all the pace for that offense. This is a Maryland team that's got a lot of moving parts on offense. You'd think that, okay, talk about those back, the stability, you're fine. Not really, to be honest. I mean, he's back, Roman Hemby is back, Delmar Glaze is back, and a couple of the weapons are back. But it's a new offensive play caller, and even though they're keeping the same scheme, there have been slight differences in, you know, just the flavor of the offense that Josh Gaddis is employing. There's a bunch of new receivers, and there's a totally reshaped offensive line. That's a lot of change, and Maryland's offense hasn't been perfect through the first four games, but they've looked really solid through, like, every performance. There's, you know, there's, they're efficient, they're explosive, they're doing all the things that you want a top-tier offense to do against subpar competition. That's a credit to Tagovailoa, and that's a credit to the stability that you get when you have a quarterback who's no, who knows the system this well and is, you know, obviously able to execute it at a high level. You talk about through these first four games, I mean, on the one hand, Maryland has scored 31 or more points in all four of them, so there's, you know, not a ton of question about that offense. They've only allowed... I'm just doing very quick math here. 39 points, I think it is in four games. If if I've or maybe four, 49 points, I guess um, you can tell how good I am at math. <laughs> um, on the other hand, Charlotte, they're down two scores earlier. Virginia, they're down two scores early, and then they turn both those games sort of wildly around. They outscore Charlotte, I think, 38 to six after the kind of the early just the sluggish start, and then obviously they just sort of obliterate Virginia, even though Virginia kind of scores a couple early touchdowns. I recognize we can't like sort of gaze into the future. And I also recognize there will be days where maybe Maryland just doesn't win the game because the other team is, is better. But 
at the end of the season, do you think that that's going to be a consistent theme that Maryland struggles to start slowly? Or do you think that was just maybe something reserved to a couple of early season games you talk about moving parts, you know, new guys, new roles, just kind of smoothing over some of those rough edges. And maybe that's not something against an Indiana team that has undeniably struggled, you know, kind of with, with some slow starts in the last couple of three weeks. That's maybe not something that is, is, you know, part of Maryland's DNA this season, I guess. I think if Maryland has slow starts moving forward, it's going to be because they're overmatched in competition and they're going to lose a game rather than they are clearly better than this other team and they're just starting slow. Uh, I, I don't think this is going to be an issue that persists just because you look at that Charlotte game, right? It's you give up a decent amount of running uh, running plays to Charlotte on the first down or, or rushing yards on the first down on the first drive. And then they, you know, you have a coverage bus and they have a wide open guy running for a 40 plus yard touchdown. Talk about low comes out. There's a mishap on the kickoff. You know, the guy bobbles it. So you have bad field position. He comes out his first pass. He throws it to a defender that he's, you know, a, a defensive end dropping into coverage, pick six. And then the UVA one, I think that can kind of be explained by the fact that Maryland was playing on Saturday and then Friday, Friday night. It's a short week. Um, you know, just a lot, a, a long lead up. They had 13 straight days without a day off, is what uh, Coach Loxie was saying. And... That I, I think that really played into most of it, to be honest with you. I, I don't think that the slow starts are something specific to Maryland that needs to be worried about. I think it's more just they stumbled uh, against these couple of teams, and if they go down against anyone else in the further, it's probably just going to be because they're not as good as this team. Talking about the offense as a whole, then, and you've, you've picked around it in different ways. Of course, it starts with Tagovailoa, but you mentioned Josh Gaddis is, is um, offensive play caller now. And again, Whatever the 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 pattern of of these games, you can't argue with thirty eight points, thirty eight points, forty two points, thirty one points, forty two against an ACC opponent, albeit Virginia has struggled obviously early in the season. Thirty one on the road against Michigan State. Michigan State can have its own problems. Thirty one points on the road in the Big Ten is still thirty one points on the road in the Big Ten. Just, I mean, do you feel like this offense at least? You know, I know all teams want to evolve as seasons go along, but do you feel like this offense at least has kind of found a, a certain sort of, I guess, rhythm and a certain measure of, you know, we know that these sort of base things work that we can always count on. We can we can go here when we need a first down or, you know, we need to sustain a drive a little bit. We can go here. Do you, do you think it's kind of got at least some of that sort of baseline rhythm that Gaddis can build on as, as we get deeper into conference play? I think they have some level of that. I think they're still searching for – kind of an idea on who their guys are. For example, you know, Tyrese Chambers comes over from FIU as a transfer receiver. He's expected to be a big part of the offense from day one. He, you know, has a really slow start, comes back due to injury. He comes back, catches a touchdown against Michigan State. It started to look like, okay, maybe there's more of a role for him than initially expected. There's so many pieces and so many moving parts right now with this offense that I don't have a great feel for, is this the final product? Like, you look at Michigan, Michigan State, they start really fast, right? And the offense looks like it's humming. And then for like a quarter, quarter and a half, they look like they're just walking through mud. I mean, it is rough. Talk about Lowe's missing throws. The running game isn't getting pushed. He's not getting, um, he's not finding guys downfield. It's it's a mess, right? And you close the game with the, with the screen pass that gets taken 31 yards for a touchdown. And that shows you even on a day where Maryland's offense is inconsistent. It's got the talent to make things look good at the end of the day. Let's flip to the other side of the ball. 
um, again, I mean, at least if we're just talking about the, the big picture, and I know that the competition is going to get stiffer as Maryland gets into conference play, but 49 points allowed in four games is, I mean, that, that there's an extent to which no matter who you're playing, that speaks for itself. Um, you know, Maryland's already got 10 sacks on the season. I think, if I'm not mistaken, they're one of the best teams in the conference in turnover margin. They've already, in fact, yes, I'm looking at it now. They've, they're have they tied for the most turnovers forced so far um, this season in, in with uh, Penn State with 11. They've got seven picks and, and four fumbles. Um, you know, just kind of how would you characterize, I guess, for lack of a better term, the identity of this defense? Again, allowing for the fact that, you know, maybe it's Indiana, maybe it's not, but at some point there are going to be some bigger tests than what Maryland's already seen. You've talked about kind of taking care of business against some teams that are clearly worse than Indiana, but you know, what, maybe what windows, I guess, have you, have you gotten into just what this defense kind of is identity wise can, you know, can those, those sort of habit plays keep up when you talk about sacks, tackles for loss, turnovers forced. And do, do you think maybe that side of the ball has a little bit, firmer grasp on this is what we're good at. This is how we can win games. They're a pass defense first and foremost. And when I say that, I mean, they're a pass defense focused on the coverage aspect. They're not getting a great pass rush this year um, so far. Right. And there was some optimism for a couple of the defensive tackles, Tommy King, Basote, Tyze Johnson coming into the year, Jordan Phillips, a transfer from Tennessee. And those guys just haven't gotten the interior push that you want. Neil Avery, a freshman four-star on the edge is someone that Loxley said is going to be an impact player. He just doesn't know when day one for him is going to be. Uh, and he's been out with injury for every game so far this year. If he comes back, maybe that changes things. But right now, they're just not a good team at getting pressure. Secondary, though, Jaquan Shepard, the transfers from Cincinnati's look good. Tarheem still has moved from inside to outside and not missing a beat. The safeties, Bo Brady and Dante Trader Jr., they look great. And um, the nickel, they kind of rotate a couple guys in. But Glendon Miller, who's usually there, is a kind of converted safety slash corner who's done a great job. Uh, linebacker, I think Jayshon Barb's one of the best players in the Big Ten, and he's great in coverage. I think when they put him as a pass rusher, that's when you start to see some of the juice that they need, but they don't do that regularly. Um, so that's where the strength is because you can run against Maryland. I think Michigan State was able to do that a little bit. I think, you know, if you look at EPA per play, they're near the bottom half of the Big Ten and EPA per rush allowed, and that's even despite playing the teams that, you know, they have. It's that's a place where Maryland can be exploited. I, I've been trying to find out exactly why they've been bad against the rush. I wanted to see if they were dedicating more resources toward coverage. But, you know, whether it's, you know, six men in the box, whether it's over that in the box, they are they are having trouble stopping the run. And in the Big Ten, that's an issue. Indiana is a team that will probably tend to pass the ball a little bit more. Um, I mean, they talk about wanting to establish – through the run and we've seen some option concepts and things, but I think it's fair to say at least through four games, Indiana is probably better passing the ball than it is running the ball when it kind of gets moving. And I, I, you say maybe Indiana or Maryland is, has not been great in, in the past rush, but they still do have what 10 sacks through four games. They've four, seven picks. I'm looking at it here. Opponents are only completing a little over 58% of their passes against Maryland. If you look at yards per attempt, Maryland's one of the better teams in the conference, or at least kind of just, Certainly got a middle of the pack, but with a good number at 6.4 yards per attempt, not a not a sort of extreme number um, in either direction. 
what do they do? You talk about being a team that, that is really good in pass coverage. Are they playing man? Are they playing zone? What what works? I mean, again, seven interceptions in four games kind of speaks for itself, no matter who your competition is. What works for that defense in terms of maybe putting opponents in positions where they make those kinds of mistakes and Maryland can, can seize on them? I think it's a great zone coverage team. I mean, they do a really good job with disguises. They do a really good job, even if they're kind of sitting back at coverage, not necessarily coming up and pressing. They're doing a really good job of passing stuff off. The communication for a defense that's got a couple of moving parts has been excellent. I You, you rarely see massive coverage busts. Um, I think the one against Charlotte is honestly the biggest one that I can think of. Um, Charheep still has been, I think... Like he was great in the slot last year and he's been somehow even better outside. And this is something that he's done when he was a freshman, but this is a guy who came back uh, despite having a chance to go to the NFL to try to improve that stock a little bit, I think. And uh, he's, he's doing that so far. We'll finish this because uh, somehow I've got a, a Zoom conference about three minutes um, that I, I routinely don't forget about. I swear. Um, Jokes aside, I, I, I hate when people ask me for predictions. I won't ask you for one, but maybe just kind of a double barrel question in terms of when you look at Indiana, maybe what are the two or three things that that you feel like if Indiana is going to have some success on Saturday, if Indiana, obviously Maryland's a heavy favorite, if Indiana is going to threaten an upset or even spring an upset, sort of, you know, what do you think Indiana maybe can do well that might put Maryland in a little bit of trouble and, you know, just give me, I guess, a sense of basically what you think the complexion of a Maryland win versus a Maryland loss would look like. I'm not asking for a score prediction or anything like that, but just just kind of the those two things kind of weaving together, just your sort of, I guess, estimation of Indiana. Maryland win, Roman Hamby and the rest of this Maryland running game look as good as they have all year, take some of the pressure off, talk about Loa to have to make a bunch of plays, and he's able to pick apart the defense. At the same time, on Maryland's defense, you've got – this coverage is kind of blanketing everything and uh, adverse game script for Indiana, putting them in pass heavy situations. And it just goes downhill from there. Maryland loss. It's going to come down to getting pressure on Tagovailoa and bringing him down. If you can start getting sacks against this team and get them to move backwards, you put them in, you know, less advantageous situations, pass heavy situations, and you could start to flip the game script. And then that puts you in a space where you have an opportunity to run the ball against the Terps, and you might be able to have success that way. We'll leave it there. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Corman, if you're listening, thank you too, I suppose. Uh, at one time, you, you now match him for Mind Your Banners uh, appearances, <laughs> um, though he's never been willing to come on and talk Maryland football, so we're going to move you up the power rankings. He's, he's, he's a clear number two. Um, and thank you all for listening. This has been Mind Your Banners for September 28, 2023. Hope that helps you get uh, just kind of get ready, get uh, in the, a certain frame of mind for the Maryland game this weekend, a big one for Indiana. As I said on the last podcast, Indiana's been to four bowls in eight years. They've never beaten Maryland and missed a bowl in that stretch. They've never lost to Maryland and make, made a bowl in that stretch. For whatever reason, this has always been kind of a swing game for the Hoochers, and I think it'll be a big one this weekend. Thank you so much for listening, and we will be back uh, Sunday night. We'll talk to you soon.